Basically, if you're going through the AWS console, you have to upload that zip, go in, set all the response requests. There's just a lot of things to wire together. So I really ran down this like rabbit hole of how do I do this without learning the entire world of DevOps? How do you actually visualize that architecture of like, I have all these functions, what is triggering what and in what order? I wouldn't say it's a brand new space because Lambda came out like two years ago, but it seems like it's finally hitting. People are waking up to this lower cost way to do things. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss the Jamstack, a new way of building websites and apps that are fast, secure, and simple to work with. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. So welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the podcast, we've got Ryan Neal. Hey. And uh, we've got David Wells from Serverless. Good to be here. Way to address the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, David, I asked you to come on because, I actually asked you to come on uh, like a month ago, and because I wanted to find out about your serverless like ideal setup. And then in between that, you actually joined serverless, the framework, um, the team. So do you want to explain what serverless is? Yeah, sure. So serverless, it's kind of like this new paradigm of like how to build out your applications. So instead of like worrying about like managing your servers, maintaining them and like scaling them out, the serverless approach is basically you can build out your application and deploy that to a service provider like AWS or Microsoft Azure or Google and basically not have to worry about that stuff. So like that's kind of the core of it. So once that stuff is ab- abstracted away from you, you're really just focusing on your application logic and like the value you're actually like providing with your app rather than like all the little tiny things you have to worry about with like infrastructure if you're managing that yourself. Yeah. So then I guess to really crack that nut open, if lack of better uh, <laughs> example. Let's but crack anyway, that nut. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's truly serverless. So you mentioned like Lambda. Yes. So I am not actually spinning up a PHP server or Apache server or anything like that to manage some sort of web form or anything like that. Like how does that work? Yeah. So you're still like writing your code and your kind of language of choice. Right now, Amazon supports JavaScript like via Node, Java, and Python. But yeah, you're basically not spinning up that server yourself. Amazon is actually running that code on demand for you. So when your function gets invoked, it will do magic behind the scenes, spin up kind of a containerized instance of that, run your code, and then shut down. So that's kind of how it runs. So at the end of the day, there is a server somewhere. Yeah. It's just you don't have to think about it anymore. That's all like abstracted away from you. Yeah. So Ryan, I have you on and you're like a perfect like uh, tandem <laughs> to to talk about servers because you're like our head of infrastructure at Netlify. Yeah, I actually so, run all of our machines and deal with all the stuff that makes it look serverless for everyone. Yeah. So I guess the question then for me is how do you do like long-term running jobs or persistent stuff in a serverless architecture? Yeah, so right now there's a limitation on how long like a, a Lambda function can run. Uh, the max right now is five minutes. Mm-hmm. I believe they're working on like extending that out. But if you're running something longer than that, like the kind of approach that people are taking are, is breaking down whatever that job is into smaller pieces. 
Or like if you do need to like run a longer job, you would still be running your like EC2 instance or what have you. And then just put your own binaries out there on because that's actually what we do for some of our longer ones is we have EC2 instances just running binaries. But right. I mean a lot of them just need to be always present. And that's something that you couldn't do with Lambda. Is that yeah, or so is there so a better way to approach they, it? Like so when you invoke a Lambda function, basically it has a like a lifespan of around, I think it's like it's quote unquote warm for like around ten minutes, and there's ways that you can keep a function warm. Mm-hmm. But after that time span, it spins down. So the state, there's no like concept of state. It's mm-hmm. like a stateless architecture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you do need state between like lambda functions or what have you, you would be calling from like a database, like a DynamoDB or something like that. So that is that is a limitation. That's also kind of another point to bring up, though, is like. For a lot of jobs that don't run that long, they they still like the way that things are done now is instances are just running idle yeah. with that stuff kind of sitting there. Whereas like this is the flip side approach where you're just running it on demand and you're just paying for the uh, actual execution time of that function. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have actually a handful of machines that are kind of just waiting for something to happen right now or have really long persistent jobs. How do you then deal with like performance implications? Like you know, you were talking about keeping functions warm. Like, is this not meant to be something that's in the user time? For instance, you know, submitting a form or something like that. Yeah. So if your function hasn't been hit uh, recently, there's kind of less cold startup time, mm-hmm. which adds a little bit of latency to mm-hmm. it. To keep a function warm, you'd have to like basically ping it. Which that's a, kind of one of the use cases of running a lambda function. You can set it on a cron. Mm-hmm. So you can just basically set a cron to keep these functions warm. Typically, they're used for kind of asynchronous processes mm-hmm. or like data transformation or stuff like that. You can use it for a lot of different things, and we can jump into the use cases in a little bit. Actually, let's get into the use cases because I'm really curious of like what people are like. What are users of the serverless framework? What are they using this like in real life situations? The use cases vary like tremendously. Like as we mentioned, you can't really do super long running processes. But what you could do if you do have those long running processes is you can actually use like use the lambda function to invoke the EC2 instance to spin up for you, run that longer term process. Then via the events of that EC2 instance, like trigger another mm-hmm. lambda function to you know send a text message to you that. Process is done or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's kind of like a use case there. So automating DevOps stuff behind the scenes and acting off of the kind of provider specific events in your infrastructure. So another good example of that would be, and this is a, a really common use case of Lambda, is if a let's say a user uploads a profile image that'll go into your S3 bucket. That S3 bucket triggers an event of like there's a new item or new object in this bucket. That can trigger a Lambda function to resize that image and put Mm -hmm. it back into the bucket and then basically like store that URI, send it back to the app to use. So that's that's kind of one of the, the most common ones that we see. Some other things that you can do are basically like using it for a backend for a, like a web or mobile or like IoT type of app. And a really good example of this is a is a company called A Cloud Guru. Okay. Um, their entire website is serverless 
meaning like they use static web hosting, which mm-hmm. you guys know a lot about, and their entire backend application is running through like via Lambda functions and they're uploading like so it's it's a video tutorials on, you know, running on different cloud providers. So they'll upload their videos into S3 buckets. Those will get resized dynamically by their Lambda functions and the actual like user authentication. I believe they're using Auth0. I'd have to double check on that. But basically when you log into the app and are going around to the different pieces of content, that's all being like driven by I think they're using Dynamo behind the scenes like and API gateway to kind of route those calls. And I'm not 100% sure on their tech setup, but I know that it is serverless. And they're a really good example of that. Like I mentioned before, you can also do cron stuff. So let's say that you want to run a job every six hours, every 24 hours, whatever it is. You could basically, instead of having that instance just running there, eating up cost, you could just basically have it trigger via cron with just like a normal cron statement and just trigger that lambda function it runs for however long spins back down so you're not paying like you know the whatever 8 10 bucks a month for that box well depending on the box size yeah i'm actually now going to do that we have to clean up our elastic search cluster i'm yeah. going to use that to do it that was the most compelling thing to me so when i first uh, heard about the whole like kind of surrealist idea was it really struck a nerve with me and it's I had a huge pain point. So I built this app, built it uh, using Node and Express, went through like all that stuff. And then I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm ready to release this thing, but now I got to figure out, okay, how to set up an, a load balancer, how to basically have redundancies in the database server and you know, following this microservices approach, like all these different pieces need their own server, which is the, you know, and I'm doing bunny ears, the right way to build the app. <laughs> um, so I really ran down this like rabbit hole of how do I do this without basically learning the entire world of DevOps and having this thing scale if it does hit, which it didn't, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, so this like kind of serverless approach is like I can have all these side projects or weekend projects that aren't costing me like you know ten bucks a month each because that cost adds up real yeah. quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When you mentioned node processes, I think of things like Slacken. So those who aren't familiar with Slacken, Slack is a community to talk to other people. It's almost like IRC, but with the GUI interface. In case the listeners didn't know by now, but I created a we had a Slack group that I created with some other people, and I created this Node service to actually every time you filled out a type form, then that type form would take that email and then invite them to Slack, and then I had a Node service that auto invite them using Slack's API to Slack, so I never had to like go through the process of clicking accept and links and because we had we had started this group doesn't matter the group was it was a kitten gym no it wasn't um, a gym <laughs> for kittens so kittens can sign up through Slack just kidding that sounds amazing but anyway this this group that we had we knew we were gonna we actually launched it and we knew we were gonna have a lot of people sign up in a short amount of time and we did not want to have to like click accept for every single person we don't do <laughs> Slack so I bring this up because I'm thinking with serverless, I can create a Lambda function to accept these Slack invites and then use the Slack API to accept, like bring them into the fold in our, our community. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's actually one of the kind of uh, Lambda boilerplates that AWS has is like how to connect into a chat room. So Lambda launched, I don't know, probably like two years ago now. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Amazon came out with API Gateway. So you could basically put that REST API on top of like, 
the triggers for your Lambda functions. So now everything's like exposed and you could basically via a webhook or like an API call front end, you know, Ajax request, trigger any Lambda function to do any kind of custom logic. And so like, you know, I'm a full stack JavaScript guy, so I write everything in Node. So you could, you know, import the Slack SDK and, you know, trigger whatever you wanted. Oh yeah, with these webhooks. Yeah, yeah. So then after that, you you could basically, yeah, the, the callback, you could, Either shut it down or give a 200 response or whatever, or trigger other Lambda functions. It, and that's what's hard talking about the use cases of this because it's like really anything you can imagine minus like longer running jobs, sure. which is. But even those you usually want to try to avoid in general because when right. they crash, you have a problem, right. a real big problem. So if you can break it down into really small atomic functions, that's really useful. Just yeah. a different design way. Yeah, and uh, so one thing that actually really sold me on serverless when I finally like I don't want to say bit the bullet, but finally sat down and did the tutorial and got it all set up on my my machine. I only have experience from Lambda because I don't know if you know this Amazon Echo, um, the Alexa project is all built on Lambda functions. So all the different skills are actually um, yeah Lambda functions. So whenever you say Alexa, tell me about. like water, and then she'll find the Lambda project or something that someone put up as a skill, and then right. they can hit that. So, what I'm getting at is when I actually made my first skill, which was like a Kanye skill. Um, I actually wanted it was like a side project when they announced that everything was open source. So it'd be like Alexa, tell me about Kanye, and they tell you like a, a actual like fact about Kanye, which you know really. Really That's intriguing. Really cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Kanye fan. Yeah, um, same. <laughs> He's a genius. <laughs> yeah. But one nice thing that I liked about serverless is that you could maintain, like, Amazon's UI is really bad. Like, I don't know if anybody's actually used it. The console is painful. Um, I mean, uh, if they want to hire me for like a lot of money to redo the UI, like, call me. Um, <laughs> my email is Brian at Netlify. But anyway, the UI is horrible, and it's really hard to like try to figure out like. How to get these Lambda functions like working and how to connect them. And when all you, at, at the end of the day, all you want to do is upload your zip file of your JavaScript and get your endpoint. And with serverless, you can do that without even actually logging in. Well, you have to log in and get your, your keys first to set it up. But once you get that done, like I can get all my Lambda functions working. So I can get it. If I wanted to continue to make um, Kanye skills for Alexa, I can and I don't have to struggle like half a day trying to figure out like why Lambda is not working at a certain point and I can't debug certain things. And that's basically what I went through. I went through like a, a Saturday night trying to figure out like why my Lambda function wasn't working, it wasn't being tested properly. And I just finally gave up because I don't want to deal with, with Lambda and try right. to figure that out. Yeah, that's exactly why uh, Austin created the framework because he was feeling that pain. Like, basically, if you're going through the AWS console via their like interface, it's you have to upload that zip to configure API Gateway. You have to go in, set all like the the response requests, and like there's just a lot of things to wire together. Whereas, like with the framework now, you can just basically say like, okay, I have this function. That runs at this endpoint, and then you just type serverless deploy, and then it wires all that stuff up for you, and then you can like version and roll it back and stuff like that. It's yeah, yeah that's which like versioning and rolling back is like amazing because I don't I'm not even sure they have that on Lambda functions. If you can go back to your previous incarnation of uh, your code, yeah. So they I think it's stored in an S 
three bucket, the previous versions. There's okay. also this concept of like aliasing functions. So that's and that's one of the things that the framework helps a lot with as well. So like if you're deploying to a dev environment, you can deploy to that like dev alias and like that endpoint will be the same, but for the prod, it's like your API endpoint is like slash prod slash whatever the uh, endpoint is on the API. So it's like pretty easy to keep those things separate, so you're not like basically deploying perhaps broken code to a production environment. Yeah, and we just released the beta version one, beta version two today of serverless. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So cool. we're doing we're doing a. I think it's every two weeks we're releasing a new version. We're on this cadence right now. Oh, um, the Mozilla uh, cadence. Yeah, yeah. That release cycle. Yeah. That's a quick release cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's moving fast. Like the open source framework, we're about to hit ten thousand stars. It's it's pretty insane. Like the community that we have, like behind this thing. So yeah, I was I was like stoked to to well, be a part of it. So all your code for serverless is open source. Like yeah. So the serverless framework is completely open source. You can dig in there, do a pull request. And so it's also like a pluggable architecture. So if there's something that the framework doesn't do right now, doesn't handle out of the box, we have a basically hooks that you can build that. So like a good example of a plugin was somebody built like an optimizer plugin that basically like minifies and removes dead code so your lambda executes faster. Yeah. There's another one that was like to help you manage secrets, like secret API credentials and stuff across teams. The serverless framework handles like handing out tokens and making sure that that's yeah, not, I'm like, not committed I'm not, in your GitHub. I'm not too sure on the specifics of the secrets plugin. That was for version 0.5, but I think the guys that made it are going to do it for version 1. Oh, very but, nice. uh, yeah, an example of like a plugin we added like core support. So when you deploy an API endpoint to API Gateway, you have to turn on cores for it to be actually accessible via like a front end interface. So that's something that we just added in kind of through this plugin model. And what's the code written in for serverless? So yeah, it's all in Node. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can get in there and yeah, yeah, <laughs> check I'll, it out. I'll try to break things. <laughs> I will just look at it very, very from a distance and be like, I assume it works. Yeah, Ryan's not a job. I'm not a job. The other guy. thing that the other thing that we were focusing on version one is like, so when Serverless first came out, it was it used to be called Jaws, the Jaws framework. Oh, okay, like I remember that logo. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, very yeah. nice. Uh, which I believe was for it stood for like JavaScript AWS or something like that. But uh, like we soon realized, and all all these other providers, so like Google Cloud Functions, IBM. Microsoft, they all have these paper execution function as a service kind of things coming out. So, kind of the idea now is to connect with all those. So, yeah. we have a pull request right now from the Microsoft Azure team and IBM OpenWhisk to basically like so you can use kind of the the serverless framework to deploy to those as well. Wow, that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So avoid lock in with AWS yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. That's that was one of the main things. The other the other kind of benefit there is I was talking about this with Austin the other day. It's like some providers might not have certain services that others do. So for example, like Google has like a voice API or like mm-hmm. an image recognition API that you can tie into. So like if you had some of your infrastructure on Amazon and you wanted to tie into like those, you know, vendor specific APIs, 
you don't need to like have everything running in one place. You mm-hmm. can like deploy this over there and this over there and kind of glue them together basically with this like kind of a event driven model. But oh, that's yeah. nice. It's nice to be opened up. I mean, Jaws actually sounds like a really cool name. Yeah, but, yeah I was like, I actually really like that, but I guess serverless is a serverless makes sense, especially if you want to add in like you don't want to like Jaws as well or whatever to add Azure at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't re- I can't remember exactly why we changed it. It might have been a legal thing, like uh, Jaws <laughs> with a shark as the logo. Um, yeah, Steven Spielberg came knocking on our door. <laughs> that's not a that's not a phone call you really want to get. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he's not doing anything right now. He's he's watching his. Uh, his properties, yeah, <laughs> yeah. to make sure no one's uh, making any ET we were, frameworks. <laughs> we were thinking about renaming it Avatar, but yeah, that also <laughs> was a no go. <laughs> no one started there. Cool. So you, with open source, let's talk about like the serverless community. So you guys have now you have pull requests from other people, like adding other like architectures to be working with serverless. Like, do you guys have a pretty strong community? Ten thousand yeah, stars sounds pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's oh, man. We have like a ton of people in our Gitter chat room. Like talking, it's very hard to keep up with, to be honest. There's so many pull requests. So I wake up, so our team is distributed, right? So we have half of our team uh, in Europe. We have a guy in Japan right now and four people here in San Francisco. And so I'll wake up at, you know, eight in the morning and there'll just be this huge long list of, because I'm watching the repo, obviously, just all these pull requests, all these new issues of, Either feature request or like discussions around how this it, it, basically the framework should be formed, and it's it's pretty amazing to see. And so that core's functionality that was contributed by the open source community that wasn't like our core team. Yeah, doing that. Does that mean that your core team now just spends a lot of time reviewing PRs? Yeah, wishing and, they could code yeah, themselves. Yeah. Yeah, so we have a couple guys working full time on the framework, and then we are also developing some commercial products okay. uh, around it as well. So we're a venture backed company. We do have some products in mind to kind of throw into the ecosystem as well. Yeah. But, Is the uh, framework your only product at the moment that's like uh, that yeah. you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. So that's our only uh, product right now, and yeah, totally open source and free. With the uh, open source community, I mean, you've got a lot of contributions, great PRs coming in. How do you kind of both vet the PRs and also kind of share the roadmap of where you guys want the framework to go? Yeah, so uh, our CTO flow would be better at answering this, but basically, we have uh, every single like PR that comes in. There's typically a discussion thread mm-hmm. that. Usually gets pretty long of people throwing in their ideas. So a good example is like, so we're introducing variables into like using kind of environment variables in your serverless function. So there's like a pretty long thread, uh, both from the core team and from people in the community of like how that syntax should look mm-hmm. and like what different use cases we should support. So there'll typically be a pretty long discussion, and then. I guess I, I think it's flow making the calls, but again, it's it's also the community of like who's using this and, and um, what are their use cases. So mm-hmm. we have like it really ranges too of like who's using it. So we have like you know just hobbyists. Oh, I I need to like have a contact us form on our site, or I need to throw Kanye up a marketing yeah, yeah Kanye app like custom Alexa functions, whatever. To like Nordstrom using the serverless framework to do like heavy duty like prod stuff. 
So we kind of have to run the gamut there. Uh, in terms of like roadmap stuff, we do mm-hmm. we have like milestones on the GitHub repo. Oh, nice. So we like you know strive to hit those milestones. It's it's interesting because it's like I wouldn't say it's brand a brand new space because Lambda came out like two years ago, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it seems like it's finally hitting, and people are starting to be like, "Oh, what is this thing?" And like all these other providers, like a good example is Microsoft Azure. Like, didn't have this functions as a service like product like at the beginning of this year, and I think they started working on it in February, and now it's like launched or whatever. But people are waking up to this kind of lower cost way to do things. And event-driven models that so I kind of lost my train of thought. But <laughs> um, having an event-driven model, you know, you mentioned earlier a microservice architecture, same issue. Is there any way to like wrangle them, kind of thing? Like knowing, you know, it's notoriously hard to figure out monitoring or how many are executing or if it's really popular or not. Is there any stuff built into serverless or Lambda that helps you with that? Yeah, so that's that's one of the biggest challenges with this. So like. A good example, and Austin always brings this up, is like uh, Netflix. Netflix, they have you know a thousand different microservices or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're using the framework right now. Maybe, but let's just imagine we take that microservices, those thousand microservices, and break them into smaller pieces of those functions. Now mm-hmm. you have this pretty complex system. Mm-hmm. So that's actually one of the biggest pain points. That it's actually that's kind of one of the products that we're developing as mm-hmm. like a monitoring and like kind of metrics okay. um, tool around that. And then the other side is like how do you actually visualize that architecture of like you know what does the map look like? I have all these functions. What is triggering what, and in what uh, order, mm-hmm. and where are the errors happening? Yeah, when do they break? Yeah, exactly. So, and that's definitely something that uh, we're working on. That's something that's not an easy, not an easy problem to solve for sure. Right, right. Yeah, but it, it, wouldn't it be just so cool if you just see like this map? You're just like, oh, what is this service doing? Okay, and then you just see the map of every piece of architecture that it's touching and mm-hmm. how it's flowing and yeah. like the error rates on each thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. Lambda, they do have like how many times your function's been run and stuff like that. So I wonder if it's, I mean, maybe down the road serverless can like talk to those APIs and have some sort of dashboard. Yeah. So there's logging with Lambda functions via like CloudWatch, and that's like a free thing from Amazon. And you can pull that in with the CLI, with the serverless CLI, and you can actually tail it in your CLI. So yeah. like when you're running the function, there's a lot of like console.logging when the function's running and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so you can watch the logs from the command line interface, which is a little bit nicer than going through the console in AWS. Yeah, anything to keep me out of the AWS console. Yeah, that's our take. that's our goal. Yeah. So if someone wanted to start using serverless today, what would be their first step? So the first step is npm install serverless g install <laughs> it globally, and you're off to the races. Yeah, if you go to the GitHub repo, github.com slash serverless slash serverless, there's a there's a quick start section yeah. um, where I recorded kind of a video, which I'm not too crazy about now because I just rewatched it and I start the video out like, hey everybody. Like I have like a really <laughs> weird uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. So we can start the podcast that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's and, and that'll walk you through like basically getting Set up with your first function and deploying that to a live API endpoint, which 
like really only takes about 30 seconds. It, there is a, a kind of a longer window for the Amazon cloud formation because we're using cloud formation under the hood yeah. um, to spin up the infrastructure and set up the API gateway. So that takes about like three minutes right now. That's kind of something we can't control. But then it, you basically have this like live API endpoint that, you know, by the way, is like infinitely scalable, right? Like you could throw as much traffic as you at it as you want and, uh, you know, it's going to stay there. So, that to me is like basically the aha moment for me is when I saw the actual demo of the CLI at yeah. the uh, AWS loft a couple months back. Austin was doing it. And I was like, I remember getting like tingles, like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> this is amazing. The potential. Yeah, yeah. And then I started stalking him until he hired me. So <laughs> well, that's one way to get a job. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think this is a good conversation. I think it's a good uh, good intro to serverless, and I think yeah. uh, hopefully the the listeners have got a good idea of what they can do with it. Hopefully, they can uh, reach out to you. But before we go into how to contact you, I wanted to jump in the picks. So basically, these jam picks are anything that keeps you going, things that you wanted to share um, to the the listeners about how awesome something is. And I'll go first. My jam pick is actually an HBO show. It's called The Night of. It was like on my radar a little bit when Game of Thrones was on. They had like showed this like trailer, and I jumped it. Like actually, I have to give uh, respect to my wife. She jumped into it first, and then told me about it. Like really, like she gave me a really bad sell on like what the show was about. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll listen to it or I'll watch it. And I watched it. And I'm hooked. So I'm like, I'm. It's like basically the new Game of Thrones for me. Like I'm, I'm there every Sunday. Oh, ready wow. to watch it. So, um, highly recommend the night of. Uh, I won't even tell you anything about it. I think you should just watch. The just first go on episode. Netflix. Uh, yeah, HBO Now. HBO Now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. David, do you have a pick? Yeah. So let's see. Uh, I was going to say Stranger Things, but it was already taken earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. So my pick, honestly, and this is, you guys aren't paying me to do this, but my pick this week is Netlify because oh, I've yeah. been, I, so I'm rebuilding the serverless site on Netlify. And I must say the the like integration with Git is pretty phenomenal. So yeah. I'll just push my changes up to master, and then within like thirty seconds, it's on the live site. And I haven't even tried the different branch setup yet. Yeah, but I'm pretty excited about that. And again, this was not paid, uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm doing a talk on this in two weeks, and I'm gonna like walk through how I build it. I was using Phenomic, like we did, yeah. In the, yeah. It's um, a talk here in SF. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I think it'll be recorded. And then the other one that I wanted to shout out was like, as well as the like vibrant kind of community submitting PRs to serverless. There's also like a ton of serverless consultants out there, and uh, one of them they're called Track Ten. They just did a webinar on like basically like serverless architectures. Uh, it's like 50 minutes long, but it's super solid in terms of like. What you can really do with it, and they go into like a lot more use cases. Yeah. So I wanted to shout that out. I just watched it the other day. It was pretty good. And then boosted boards because I want to get one. The electric <laughs> skateboards. They're, yeah, they're a lot of fun to ride. Actually, yeah. one of our uh, designers had one, and here, and I got to borrow it a little bit. It was a little terrifying to take through the city at times, but nice. fun still. Then my yeah. pick. Yeah. Um, lately, I've just been really stuck. Uh, I just got back from. Um, uh, Yosemite, and so I've just been going through images and tracking what different national forests I can go to now because I'm kind of hooked on it. So, cool, going out to Wyoming, hopefully. Oh wow, yeah, awesome. After I fix all the build issues, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure you, uh, you 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 squash some bugs before you yeah. go and disappear in Wyoming. Exactly. <laughs> Be out in absolutely no cell signal. Yeah, that's my point. Cool. 
And then David, if they wanted to contact you or find out more about serverless, uh, where can they go? Yeah, so go to surrealist.com. I actually don't think we have a contact form there. Uh, email, <laughs> there will be on the news site. Uh, uh, email me at david at serverless.com or uh, just tweet at me at David Wells on Twitter. And I'd be happy to point you in the right direction for anything that you're looking for. Cool. Well, David, thanks for coming on to the podcast. And uh, hopefully yeah, you, can, you can continue to spread the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 